Unlocking the Cage is recorded live on Twitch Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific at Manager's Comedy. Tune in to chat and share your opinions and help us unlock the cage. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Whether he's removing his face or on a criminal plane or a historical chase, we love Nicholas Cage. Star of screen and stage, gonna watch him all day while he's a screaming with rage, cause we're unlocking the cage. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of Unlocking the Cage. Uh, I am your host, Meg. I'm here with my co-host, Chris. Chris. Hello, how you doing? Hopefully everybody oh, you... can hear me and no technical difficulties. You know they'll tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Great audience is very good at telling us when they can't hear us, and we appreciate that. Um, so we are a Nicolas Cage podcast. Our goal is to watch and rank every single one of Nicolas Cage's 100-plus movies. I used to say the exact number, but the number keeps changing, so we'll just keep it at 100-plus. Um, and not we, just movies now, right? I mean, it's also yes. like TV shows and he's expanding. He's, he's a really limited TV career, but he does have the Netflix history of swear words. And he does have an episode of SNL that I really want to do someday. <laughs> and an upcoming Tiger King show. So, oh my God. Yeah. This is going to get crazier and crazier. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, you, you, <laughs> that's the whole point is us talking. There's nothing else going on in the show. So from us talking. All right. So. <laughs> More back, but more quick stuff. Uh, we're recorded live every Sunday, 5 p.m. Pacific time on Twitch, twitch.tv slash managers comedy. Um, if you are listening to this in podcast and you want to listen, see the old episode visually, we have all our old episodes up on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash managers comedy. Um, and we have a guest today. Our guest is TV and film producer, Adam Bradshaw. Let's bring him out. Yeah, now we have a sound effect for the guests. That's awesome. I love it. What's up, guys? Hey. Hi, Adam. Oh, my so, God. How's your weekend going? So good. I got to watch this movie again, and I'm so excited to talk about it. <laughs> this movie is fucking bonkers. I thought this, I, this, this one, ahead, I think that the thing about this movie, right, is from what I was seeing online, a lot of people were like, oh, it's one of those hilariously bad Nick Cage movies. I don't agree with that at all. I wanted to see what you, what you thought about that, Adam. No, actually, I think it's a decent movie. I mean, there's definitely some things that are questionable, but <laughs> I, I think it's a, a decent movie. I mean, you know, uh, kudos to whoever did the marketing for this, because I don't know if you guys got a chance to see the trailer, but mm. it is so good. Like, you're just like, how has no one ma ever made this movie before? It's, it's so good. So hats off to them, because I was so excited to watch this. Now, I think I didn't actually watch the friggin' trailer. I usually don't watch the trailers because we I don't should, want to spoil it. But we gotta watch I, the trailers should, after the. We gotta fact. go back and watch the trailers. God damn, they they uh, say the line. They're like, uh, "Mom and Dad brought you into this world, and they can take you out." <laughs> <laughs> really good. I love that tagline for this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's the best tagline of all time, yeah. and it sums it up. It's effective. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole plot of this movie. Right. Right. Oh yeah, I don't think I explicitly said our movie that today is 2017's Mom and Dad. 2017. Sorry. Oh, I older yeah. than I thought it was. I thought it was a newer movie, but yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the last three years. It's a... Uh... Yeah, so, all right. Um, so, uh, I'm, I mean, Adam, I'm excited you're our guest today because you are uh, an actual film professional. Uh, we we, uh, we have a lot of different types of people on this and everyone's point of view is valid, but it's always nice to have someone who has more background in terms of making movies um, so we can get that kind of perspective. Um and uh, for those who don't know, uh, we, we know Adam from uh, the 48 Hour Film Project, where he regularly wins all the top prizes <laughs> for his movies. 
<laughs> and uh, we love seeing your stuff. So this is pretty cool to have you on the show. Um, oh, you so much as likewise. I I loved your guys' film this year. It was, it was the funniest in the whole festival. Uh, <laughs> we, we, ours are usually like scrappy and weird. Yeah. <laughs> we don't entirely know what we're doing. But Adams are fun. usually like, oh, somehow an Academy Award winning film director just slummed it and did this stupid competition. And ours are like, Man, those kids did a good job. <laughs> but, well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. But I really do enjoy your guys. I think you guys have hilarious writing. And this year's was definitely one of my favorites. Thank you for that. Um, all right. So you said before uh, before we got on, we were going to check in on our Nicolas Cage movie count. So Chris and I are uh, up to 23 and 34 movies, respectively. I am the um, resident Cage expert here, I guess. Cause in this, in this crew, I guess so. Because what, what you said, Adam, how many have you seen? I went through and did the count and I'm only at 16. I thought it would have been more. But what's interesting I was looking at is like, Con Air is like the movie that I feel like introduced me to Nicolas Cage. And like, mm. that's the one I remember always and Gone in 60 Seconds as well. But like, I looked and I don't think I've seen any movies before that. Like I had seen The Rock, but other than that, anything before like the 90s, I, I guess I need to go back and watch them. Yeah, the, the what's it called? Uh, I hadn't seen any of his pre 90s stuff either. Like, uh, you know, the stuff in the eighties that were that this is definitely the first time I'm watching it. But what I had seen were like, I guess early two thousands, late nineties family films. <laughs> have you All seen right. his Marvel? Have you ever, have you seen the ghost rider movies? I have and interesting enough. I have kind of a tie into that. I worked on the pilot for ghost rider. That was going to be the Marvel series that unfortunately got canceled. Uh, so I, I went back and watched the movies getting prepped to go work on that and everything. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're about to spin this entire episode off. I'm sorry, Meg. So I loved agents of shield. <laughs> was this uh, a spinoff of, of that character? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was, and who knows what they're going to do with it now, but yeah, they were, they were going to spin it off. So we'll see. So well, it was going to be a TV show start. Was it going to be starring Nick cage? No, 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 not Nick Cage. In The Shield, it's a different actor because the Ghost Rider is taking on different personas, I guess, over the time in the comics. So it was a different person who was the Ghost Rider at that point, I guess. Got it. Yeah, and they even put in the mo in the show a moment, and I'm, this is terrible that we're doing this, but it doesn't matter, uh, a moment where, like, you know, the original Rider passes it on to this other guy. Right. And, like, they're saying they're trying to get Nick Cage – to be, you know how they're getting the older Spider-Man people into this new Spider-Man movie? Right. They're trying to get Nick Cage to do a cameo in the, uh, when they bring Ghost Rider in, which would be fucking amazing. I Yeah. And, and speaking of Ghost Rider, the second one is actually directed by the same guy who directed this film, Mom and Dad. Yes, it is. <laughs> speaking of him, yeah, well, I had some some notes on him. So he is part of a directing duo called Neville, this is Brian Taylor, Neville Dean and Taylor. Uh, they directed the Ghost Rider, the second Ghost Rider movies, and uh, the Crank movies, which I think Chris is familiar with. I, I don't know if you guys, I, I haven't seen them. Have you guys both seen oh, yeah. them? Yeah. Solid movies. It's definitely this style. Like, it's Jason Statham. Like, the, the cool editing and sound effects and music that you see in this movie is very indicative of their style of filmmaking. They also did Gamer, if you ever saw that one. Hmm. I didn't see so very, Gamer. Very, like, uh, fast-paced, like, over-the-top sound effects. Yeah, uh, erratic editing, techno sound, <laughs> you know. Meg informed me of this before the show, but I guess he also did. They also did uh, uh, Happy, Happy, the series on Sci-Fi, yeah, which was great. 
that that Big fan of that. that first season was like yeah i just love that that kind of energy and crank uh you know where like this people are like crashing cars and getting out and running and then you know it's just like i don't know a really great feeling which yeah. I I was disappointed. I'm not gonna lie. When I found out that the guy who directed this was the the guys who directed Crank or whatever, I was like, if you're gonna put those Nick Cage and those people together, I thought the movie would be way crazier than this. I think that might just be a budget problem. I mean, here, here's the production perspective, but I think they only had a $4 million budget of the research that I did. So oh, it, it's kind of hard and limited. And I think with this film, you see like what they do with a lot of movies is you kind of build the world right. And then you get inside one location and then you stay there the rest of the film. So that's kind of what they did. They like, you know, got you all excited about this world of like parents going crazy and then got into the house and that's where all the fun and games happen. So I think that's a little limitation of budget. Like every show, uh, like every sci-fi show, it's always like Space War Episode 1. And then the rest, you're like a shuttle for the entire season. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And speaking of budget, I was surprised to find out that uh, the movie had a pretty small box office, like 130,000, which I'm assuming is just because it just really didn't have a big release. Like, I don't remember hearing about this movie when it came out. I don't know about you guys. No, this definitely feels like a movie that was like sold for like, video on demand and like DVD, not that DVD markets there much anymore, but some, something like that. Like, you know, the, the, the theatrical was just, uh, you know, initial stuff, but it don't, I doubt it had a long run at all. Yeah. That's there was funny. a lot of information about that, but yeah, that, that makes sense. Cause I could picture this movie making us like, it's not a bad movie. Like it's a decent horror movie. You know, it, I figured it would have made at least its money back. if It was only a $4 million budget. It, it, it probably did. That's the thing. Like the distribution and, and all that, you know, it, uh, internationally, it probably made its budget back and more. Wait, now, all right. You might know this stuff. You probably do. I, how do they tally this up now? Like, like we want to find out box office on movies, but like now everything's on demand. Do they still count those numbers? Like, can they still say how much Wonder Woman made? Yeah. Yeah, they totally can. I mean, it, it depends on where it is, it, where, where it's distributed because like Netflix, you know, famously uh, up until recently didn't release their numbers and you didn't really know. And, and a lot of things are just negative pickups where, you know, these platforms just buy it and then they just have the rights to it. So that it doesn't really matter as much because it's just there in their library. So, but yeah, they, they can, they can tell, you know, uh, on all these platforms internationally, how much money they're making. That's interesting. Well, I guess like we're going to be moving past these days where it's like, Oh, this blockbuster made, 10 million dollars its first weekend now it's going to be like we have no clue how much it made (laughs) it is interesting i mean with the whole thing that just happened with warner media moving their whole slate for 2021 you know it it, to to hbo max it's going to be interesting oh that's what really yeah wow that's crazy Man, we really haven't talked a lot about the movie yet, huh? Yeah, is that yeah. right? <laughs> so, uh, premise of this movie, for those who are watching this episode and haven't seen it, is that there's some sort of virus, or maybe it comes from the television. It's unclear. We got to talk about that later. Yeah, <laughs> that makes parents want to murder their children. Uh, it's unclear how long this lasts for because the movie ends pretty abruptly in the middle of it. It's also unclear. The one thing it is clear is that it's, Parents only want to murder their children. They don't care to murder anyone else's children. Unless and they you seem... get in the way of the murdering. Unless you get, get away the murdering. That's true. Uh, and that's pretty much it. And we have uh, Selma Blair and Nick Cage as the parents. There's a teenage daughter and a like 10-year-old son. And I mean, that's pretty much the plot of the movie right there. 
Yeah. They do not succeed in murdering their children. Yeah. They spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. They don't win. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And uh, director John Waters, he named this one of his favorite films of 2018. So nice. you know this movie is it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's. It, I didn't expect it to be as dark. I was going into this thinking, oh, it's going to be a horror comedy movie. That's not. There wasn't a lot of comedy in this film. It was this pretty dark. I mean, unless you have like a sense of humor, like you know, you kind of. I, I think I think it's not it's not a straight horror. Definitely, there's enough like weirdness and comedy in it that it's. It, but it's it's you know it's not like Cabin in the Woods either. I had right? a question about the opening credits. It said music by Mr. Bill. Who the fuck is Mr. Bill? So I looked this up. All right, um, cool. Yeah, because I was curious too. Um, so he's an Australian DJ. He's he's really like in the the like techno and EDM and that kind of stuff music. He produces a lot of that music, and this is like one of the only movies he's ever done. I, I think that I could find. Um, his real name is Bill James Day. Um, and yeah, so he's an Australian guy that like they just found and and he made the you know this awesome score. So that the music in this movie is like like gives you uh whiplash with how quickly it's changing genres from scene to scene and like how like weirdly mismatched it kind of makes you feel uneasy when you're like yeah. oh my god like uh yeah. th- like uh sometimes it's like like more of like a cinematic score and then it's sometimes it's old music and then sometimes it's like techno music it's just a really weird feeling yeah, there's there's a, a lot of stuff in the beginning that like before it even gets into the horror aspects of it, where it's just sort of like their family life, where the soundtrack is just so disjointed from what you're watching. Like um, there's a scene where they're arguing at breakfast and it's like really intense. And there's a scene where he uh, Nick Cage is tickling his son. That's like shot like an attack sequence. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's also that. Yeah, they were trying to do like a couple early fake outs like that. But uh, do you? There was something really, really early in the movie that was like, oof, was uh, when, uh, the grandfather was talking about how he was surrounded by Charlie, and then the <laughs> the the maid had like, I'm not. That was like, I don't know. I don't know what that was about. Yeah, there's some there's some questionable uh, writing choices in yeah. this. Some of the lines and characters that have made are made. Yeah. Yeah, the the maid character and then also the dad of the boyfriend character. Like, they just, like, are sort of, I don't know, like, racially not shot well, not written well. It's, it's like, a little uncomfortable to watch for sure. In the, like, scene between the two moms, Selma Blair and the other mom, it's it's definitely, you could tell a man man wrote that scene. Yeah. (laughs) That was a weird-ass coffee scene when when they're having coffee together and they're having that conversation and all the weird slang they're throwing around. I'm like... People don't talk like this. This is a weird one. You guys remind me. I don't actually remember that scene very well. Oh, oh, they were just kind of like talking how, like a guy, like you said, like how a guy would imagine two women talking. Yeah, she was talking to her about she thought her daughter had stolen her money from her. Oh, that's it. And they were just kind of complaining about their their daughters. And um, I forget, I forget. She said like a really. Oh, like, oh, I wish her, like one day her tits are going to sag too. Sometimes I look at her. Yeah, yeah. but oddly enough, passes the Bechdel test with flying colors. Yeah. This film, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, that scene was weird. The the what's it called? Um, uh, the part with the uh, the Nick Cage attacking the kid. Yeah. Uh, and that whole foreshadowing. How about the kid finds an undisclosed whatever it is injured animal and puts it in the back of the guy's Trans Am? Right. Like it's it, the whole the whole first like 
I don't know, third of the movie maybe is all about sort of setting up this family relationship and like how it really sucks to have kids because they just like fuck with you all the time. Like it's like the kid that, you know, the son is throwing a dead animal in the back of your car or your daughter's stealing from you and they're, you know, they don't respect you and they fight with you all the time. And like, that's pretty much the setup of the first part of it. Yeah. The Trans Am thing is interesting um it's like we have this we like we do get a lot of backstory on the parents like sort of like who they were before they became parents um and that car is a big part of it for nick cage's character right yeah Yeah, definitely yeah and go back to your first point chris i think like they definitely set like set up themes in this movie like this isn't just like a throwaway horror film like i definitely think you know a lot of the lines that they say thematically they're pointing to like the relationship between parents and kids and, and how that is. And it, you know, it pays off in the end. So. And like that instinct was there too. So it was like, uh, I guess this movie's trying to say something, but like that instinct of the whole, the motivation for him is there. Like his id is like, God, I wish I could just have my old life back. These kids destroy right. my life. And then, like, you know, he even has that moment where he looks at the kid like he's going to murder him. The kid looks back like, oh, shit. (laughs) But it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah. And then the whole thing, the whole speech about planned obsolescence that the teacher gives. Right. What class is this that these high school kids are taking? (laughs) Like, did you ever learn about this in high school? (laughs) Cell phones 101 is like. Yeah. What is this? (laughs) That was like, oh, but I guess like that's it's helping build because they're really they did a great i thought they did a good job of like not making like they didn't explain what was happening very well but i wasn't asking too many questions in my head mm. i was like i get it enough like he does this plain obsolescence speech i'm like it kind of builds a little bit like okay it's some kind of weird naturalish thing i don't know yeah there's definitely some holes in the like that's the signal and the thing that happened we could talk about that later but I think overall, like if you if you think of it a little abstractly, like you can definitely enjoy this movie. Yeah, yeah. What was Selma Blair's old job? Did Adam? Did you figure that out? There's like something with that. Oh, again, another awful scene. Um, that was such a weird conversation. I think like advertising, maybe or yeah, it seems like modeling, maybe. Yeah, model. Like I couldn't tell. Was it like if it was modeling? I'm like, are you gonna like? I mean, I know nothing about modeling, but like if you've been out of modeling for 25 years, I think like. The shelf life of models is not very high. Yeah, it's so, like, weird because it's like it's uh it seemed to be saying like, oh, you know, you you're too old for this, but it's like for most jobs that wouldn't actually be the you know, like yeah, I don't know. It so it must have been unclear. modeling, I guess. Like maybe she was a model. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. So but, TV static yeah, so, happens and yeah. makes everyone want to kill each other. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um what was so so what were some of the plot holes with that like so it seemed like it took a really long time for it to kick in with selma blair right okay so we're gonna talk about the signal now but this is my biggest problem with this is like okay first off we never find out in this whole movie who sent the signal why they sent the signal how it really works and in the end you know we kind of get uh an up in their ending and we don't we don't know like does it keep going was it only a 24 hours like so there's so many questions left around this thing and like the way it's transmitted throughout the movie is like on the radio on a tv screen <laughs> like uh 
it, I forget where they in the in the hospital, which we'll talk about that scene. But like, oh god, just on like one of the like machines or something. Like, there's so many ways this weird signal just happens, and it and it doesn't come all at once to all the parents. It just comes seemingly when it's convenient. Yeah, yeah. Like she didn't like she stopped. She all right. So the hospital scene happens, which let's get to, but. She stops on the way back from the hospital at that freaking job interview? Is that what happens? Or I got this reversed in my head. Oh, yeah. When was that in relation? I, I think she finds out about that after that, right? And that's why she runs the hospital, I think. Oh, okay. That All makes right. more All sense. Right. Yeah, That makes more Cause, sense. Because after the hospital, she's pretty distraught and she just goes straight home. But everybody right. is like trying to get to their kids. Like those people are like busting down the, the gates of the school, like trying to get directly to their children. But she's like doing other things in between hearing the signal and you know so yeah like what are the rules here yeah like do do they want to kill them only when they see them or is it like just this inherent like i have to find them and kill them like that's unclear like it does feel like it's like i have to find them and kill them because all those parents came to get their kids at the testing center right but she had a high resistance i guess because yeah there was that moment towards the end too where she comes to for a second she's like you don't want to kill your kid so uh yeah maybe that's exactly it she just is resistant for some reason like like for instance okay the when she's driving home in that scene we we're just talking about like a lady is pushing a baby in a cart and she like pushes it in front of her car yeah like, like if she wanted to kill the baby would it, would she have gotten dressed up in her lululemons and like got the cart and went jogging and then finally decided oh there's a car now i'm gonna like it, it, that was a little questionable <laughs> Yeah, and also it it like it doesn't jive with the whole like they really don't want to hurt anyone else unnecessarily. They just want to kill their own kids. You know what I mean? Like why would yeah. you want to cause an yeah. accident that could kill all these? It just their 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 mental state isn't very clear too. Like when people talk to them, they're kind of like out of it a little bit. But like it's just you know it's strange. Or that one yeah, guy like, oh, they realize they did it. I don't know that one dude who they interviewed. Remember that on, on the and he's like I just felt happy. It felt right or something like that. I love that actor. If you guys have seen Queen and Slim, he's great in that movie. He's he's awesome. What's Wait, his was name? That, was that Bokeem Woodbine then? Yeah, yeah, that's him. Okay, yeah. I thought it was him, and I was like, oh, that's he seems like too big of an actor to have a random cameo in this. But yeah, that... <laughs> that's Just... what I thought too. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Like that guy getting interviewed, and he was like, like he knew he did it, right? He's like, I it felt right. But then you have like the maid at the house who's like mopping up like she didn't even realize that she like killed the kid you know it's just like oh i'm just la-di-da going on about my business what's really fucked up is she put that kid in the goddamn recycling bin instead of the trash <laughs> yeah, she's a maid true. she knows the difference this yeah. is fucking stupid <laughs> so oh, all right so i before we get too far into it there's one scene that happens in kind of the first part of the movie that we when we talked a little bit about but we didn't talk too much about it because i have a fun uh trivia fact about this one um so the scene where where nick cage is you know the car it's the car right he, he's got this whole history with the car he totaled the car and then his dad made him fix up the car and pay him back and it, it's this big prize possession and we see this flashback at least once maybe twice of him doing donuts in the car while being straddled by a topless woman um and uh that's the life i want i mean <laughs> Did that well for him, but so it, and and the actor really does look. I, I I mean I'd show you the clip, but no nips on Twitch. Yeah. So um, the actor really does look a lot like a young Nick Cage. So I wonder how they did that. Whether that was just some guy they found or whatever, but could not did a lot of research trying to figure out who played that guy. 
yeah that that was interesting i mean they used the flashbacks really interestingly throughout this whole thing but yeah that was an interesting scene but you know as he said his kill rate was nine out of ten 100 percent sex oh. so <laughs> and, and so the so the trivia i have about that scene is so we talked about the i just showed this to chris right before um we talked about the tv show happy uh yeah. which is also directed by the same guy um there's a scene in season two episode one of happy where he has a flashback during to his the main character has a flashback to his younger years and they literally use the same footage of the car spinning and the guy with the topless woman sitting on his lap which Straight one was up. first oh, uh I great question i think it was around the same time i think happy sure. was it must have been the same year no, Happy wow. didn't come out till after we moved to LA. So I think it's 2018. That's my guess. I'm guessing that uh, it was Mom and Dad first because the clip is longer yeah. in Mom and Dad. Huh. Also, uh, the the car is like a more the car is more of a thing in Mom and Dad, and he doesn't really have that car in Happy. Yeah, it's, so it's I'd more imagine like a throwaway he just thing. like reused that footage. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah, funny. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting shot. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah and for the podcast audience we're showing it right now no, so we're many not. boobs oh <laughs> i wish you, you could see it. it chris is actually reenacting it you're missing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i went back i went back to chris's office and it's 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 you know no one wants to see that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway they all right uh so we move forward in the movie uh all we have uh deployed angry attack parents Maybe and, we should uh, watch. Uh, uh, we got a couple. Clips. Oh yeah, we got any early clips? Chris? Yeah, we got uh, the the. Well, there's the whole thing like before they go to angry attack mode. Well, first there's this clip where uh, is it after angry attack mode where he, he gives the speech about kids these days? Yes. Before it's before yeah. yeah. Oh okay. It's before. Well, here's him talking to his children in the morning. The things you've seen on the internet: mouth to dildo, dildo to ass, ass to ass. Hi, Brent. Anal bees. Hi, Brent. Why does he say hi, Brent? That was like my biggest question. Like, it's a great line, but like, why is that's his name? Why does he say that? <laughs> Wait, so that's his character's name? Yeah. Hi, I know. Brent. Like, that's so weird. Hi, Brent. What the hell? Yeah. Saying... I was so confused. <laughs> ass to ass. I mean, what's happening with ass to ass it's just i wish that we could say there's more context for this but there is i don't remember there being very much context for this in the movie he's just talking to his children like what the fuck uh that's just like you know when a boomer writing something of like what the kids are into these days you know but yeah if if later on you see what nicholas cage is doing on his computer at work Mm. i think you might know a little bit more about this than the kids oh hello you know i so there's some flashbacks in after they become murderous that we have clips of but i don't know how you want to handle that yeah let's let's get a little bit further forward. also so we, we haven't dug into the the childbirth scene yeah so i think we're we're kind of getting to childbirth scene we don't have a clip of that it's awful so yeah. we we've had all right so some of the stuff that's happened so far is like it's become clear at the high school that the parents have come to murder the children the daughter has run home and ran into her or she ran out she ran into her boyfriend Oh, her and her best friend. Her best friend gets murdered by her best friend's mom. Uh, she runs into her boyfriend, and they're all sort of converging at the family house. Um, but meanwhile, Selma, Selma Blair, who has just come from this job interview, 
Oh, um, and, and not the, the boyfriend no, has to it. kill his own dad. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah the boyfriend has to kill his own dad. There's a lot that goes on. Yeah. Um, but we have this big scene in the movie, which I think is probably one of the scenes in the movie that, if you've seen this movie, will stick with you the most, for better or for worse, is Selma Blair goes to the hospital to help her sister uh, with childbirth, you know, and, and um, the sister, uh, you know, gives birth to the baby and then immediately tries to murder it. And... And then yeah. everyone's speechless. That's it, that's kind of <laughs> it. It was very uncomfortable the first time I watched it. I like, I thought like with most films, I was like, oh, that's a clever like thing that they're just gonna hint at, right? Like, because like a mom, you know, having a baby. Like, I thought they would just give us kind of a, like a, a nod to it, but like to be that graphic, I was like, wow, I did not expect that. And she's like trying to run away with the baby, but she can't because it's attached to the umbilical cord. And then someone goes snip, and then she can make it. Like, oh, God, that was gross. It just, like, like uh, that baby was actually pretty good for the budget of this film, too. The the fake baby they were using. One million went to the baby, yeah. the CGI baby. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, was that dark. Was, that was a rough scene. Yeah. And what's surprising in that scene, too, was that there were doctors at the hospital. I mean, were all those people childless? Yeah, were they? Yeah, had they not decided they were gonna leave and go find their own children. Right, like, yeah. I, I guess, mean, like Adam said, it sort of it, it it hits people when it's convenient for the plot. <laughs> yeah, maybe they adopted their kids. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Adopted <laughs> kids. See, now that I thought I thought they were gonna say that um, the the rich the rich lady. I thought that she was gonna be like her stepmom or something like that. But no, unfortunately, not for her. She uh, she got choked. That would have been a good like thing to put in a good joke. Like somebody like is scared of their parents and like it's not actually their parent and that's how they find out. It's like I'm your stepmom, oh, yeah, idiot. Was- <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, missed opportunity, Adam. Wow, that's a right? good one. <laughs> and they they do have kind of a thing with the, with the childbirth scene because they explain going into the hospital that the boyfriend with the sister who's about to give birth is not the father of the kid, and then Selma Blair's like, "Don't worry about it. This is complicated." But so I think or that- like. They didn't do something like they could have done something where uh, the mom's trying to kill the kid and, and the dad's like, what are you doing, honey? Why are you doing this? And then the mailman busts through the door and like tries to kill the kid. <laughs> that would have been so good. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's if they'd gone like a little bit more comedy with this. Uh, yeah. But then you had all the dads in, in the hospital staring down their uh, baby in like the newborn unit. That was like, gross. Oh my God. This movie really sticks with you. Oof. Yikes. <sighs> That's a rough moment. So yeah, they they're converging on the house basically after that terrible scene. Did uh, we did we miss anything and before before we get all the whole family back together? Did we miss anything from earlier in the movie that you guys want to dig into? I just think the scene at the school is it really interesting. I mean, that's that's definitely building the world and like probably the most expensive scene because they have yeah. so much background, so much action going around and I just like can imagine like, you know, when when they had the first conversation with all of those adults the background actors explaining to them like what they're doing like you show up that day you know you don't really know when you're background you know what you're doing yeah and they're like okay we need you to act like you're you know you want to kill your kids right now like i'm sure some parents were like oh okay yeah i know this and then other parents were like wait what what are we doing here <laughs> that was a real weird scene because like they're evacuating all the kids to where i don't know what they were trying to do with those kids they're like, get out of the building. But like the building's safe. 
Like, why? Like, what's going on? Like, why? <laughs> it's very unclear at what point people realize what's going on. Because, like, yeah, like, like at what point the teachers realize what's going on. I, I don't know. Like, like that evacuation scene was a little confusing for me. I mean, yeah, sure. and in the world we live in now, like, you know, I'm sure the, there's a lot of emergency procedures for things that happen in schools. Yeah. So, like, it seemed like they didn't know what the hell they were doing, and, like, they just ran everybody outside to, to stand against the gate, and then yeah. inches from their family. It was the weirdest thing. And then once the parents get in, and they're on the football field chasing all of these kids, oh my God. I just love the security guard who, like, goes like crazy on one of the moms like he's just like ah and like tackles <laughs> I told her. you to stop and then like, yeah, yeah. like he just keeps hitting her she's down yeah just, oh my god that part oh, it's, very, it's a fairly violent scene and it, it, sure. it, it not just makes them murderous it makes them super powerful and strong like yeah like they could take a taser they could take a, a bear spray to the face or whatever it's like why why are they so strong why is why is the the woman who just gave birth stronger than all the doctors around her like what you know right why can't they stop her so that part was a little unbelievable too yeah so one thing i want to talk about before we get to the kind of in the house because it kind of plays out is just like why is nicholas cage so mad at the girl's boyfriend like oh yeah like what is that relationship like i feel like we needed a little more backstory because like all he says is sweetheart you're not seeing that boy he's a junior and you're a sophomore and then like that's like all we know is that like he just you know it's that stereotypical like dad doesn't like the boyfriend but like why is he so aggressive towards him he's yeah, got also a junior and a sophomore is not a unconventional Wait. age gap in high school i think he's projecting himself onto the guy like he's like i know what i did at that age and i don't want my daughter to be boobs in a convertible <laughs> sure yeah it's pretty clear that nicholas cage's character is totally unhinged before yeah the before the whatever the inciting thing is that makes him want to kill his children like it's you know we we have uh this flashback uh which uh maybe is good time to to show this actually yeah the um with him one of the craziest scenes in this movie is is in flashback it is not a current killing your parents scene it's just him uh, deciding he wants to build a pool table and then changing his mind. So I have that Ooh. in a compilation clip, but oh, I, also, okay. I also have this little speech that he gives. I mean, I was going to grab the world by the balls and squeeze, boy! God damn it! I remember that kid I used to be like it was four fucking minutes ago. My feet barely touched the ground back then. My kill ratio was 9 out of 10. It was 100% sex. <laughs> Oh my god, what a line. But wait, 9 out of 10 is not 100%, Nick. It's yeah, not- that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. Oh my gosh. That that <laughs> section has some of the best lines. Like he's he, he's like um it's not a man cave, Kendall. Like we need we need a fucking grown-up zone and a fucking kid zone. Uh another one he's like uh he, he's like complaining about his body and he's like I got a blue bonnet butter waistline. <laughs> Yeah, that whole thing. Like, they wrote it. I think somebody wrote that for Nick Cage, like, to kind of, like, because he always says weird shit like that. Or maybe just, who knows? There's a lot of weird dialogue. Do you have the scene where he uh, aggressively sings the hokey pokey? I do have that. I bet it's going to be in other stuff. It's going to be in some other stuff. So let me see if I can skip. 
Uh, I'm just gonna mute it for all. Well, uh, we'll oh man, happens. yeah, he's definitely let off his leash in this movie. Who I feel like. About? I feel like like who has more fun than Nicolas Cage like right now in in movies? Yeah, they're I, he's getting some good fun stuff. I, let's just watch the whole the whole thing because I, I think it's all flashbacks. You talk about a pussy magnet. Dad. Chip magnet. Oh no no not this one. So helpful. <laughs> like father like son right? But if you ever touch that car again i'll fucking kill you (laughs) (laughs) yeah you put your right foot in you take your right foot out you do the hokey pokey and you fucking work it all out yeah (laughs) oh my god so it's like the you know i mean the the big theme of this movie is just sort of like two people that have suddenly found themselves in middle age with children that hate them um and sort of reckoning with that and like nick cage is having his midlife crisis where he wants his pool table and right. he, he yeah. painstakingly constructed that pool table only to just... oh my god this is a hand-built pool table yeah <laughs> he just couldn't get it level though he could yeah. not get it level <laughs> oh. the amount of times he leveled that and re-wedged it <laughs> it's a montage of him like with great care constructing a pool table and then just destroying it yeah that's that's what the hell and i do feel like like when you're writing a nick cage movie especially in the late you know 2010s like you're basically like you can do like a fucking mad lib thing about it you're like all right he aggressively sings blank you know he like <laughs> yells this word you know like like i think that someone was like all right have we had him do the hokey pokey yet all right <laughs> it's like public domain only <laughs> uh P. Oh, yeah. Cage, it's it's he's having so much fun. I mean, like the scripts that he's been picking recently, like are are so they're really different than what he did earlier on in his career. And and it's you know he's just letting it all loose. Yeah, and, and I I'm very excited for like he's got a couple uh, really interesting ones coming up too. Like uh, the one yeah. where he plays himself, the unbearable weight of massive talent. I'm very excited about that one. Yeah, Willie's Wonderland. Willie's Wonderland. Yeah, he's next month, next month. <laughs> and he's getting pig, himself back in shape. What? Wait, which, what'd you say? Pig? Wait, tell us about Pig. I don't What's know what pig? pig is about. Uh it, he's he's like uh a, a like you know the pigs that like um do truffle hunting and stuff like that? Like I do with that where he like trains them. Like I don't know too much about it, but definitely something I think it's coming out this year. It's it looks crazy again. Uh, here's what here's the blurb I found online. Uh uh its plot follows a mushroom forager played by Nicolas Cage, whose beloved pig goes missing. Oh, it's John Wick, but with pigs. I think so. (laughs) Oh, this is what I wanted. It is a drama, though, so it may not be as John Wick-y as much as like... Ah, Damn it. Trying to think of a comparable movie. But yeah, so... uh, But but it's interesting that you say that, because like very recently, like our last episode we watched was... um, USS Indianapolis Men of Courage 2016 so just a year earlier than this one and there is no crazy cage in it he plays like basically like he he basically does like a Tom Hanks thing during the whole movie um the script is very boring and so it's it's you know it's a it's a it's a hit and miss thing yeah and I wonder like when the transition was you know but when he suddenly started to do got to do more interesting movies you had like Mandy, right? And you have the new one, Color Out of Space. Yeah. Um, those ones are both very kind of like off the wall, left field things. 
I have not I wonder seen, if like I've heard Color Out of Space is very disturbing. It's hard to watch. Yes. Okay. Jesus. With, with the, yeah, we have uh, we have someone booked for that. Uh, so um, I might sit that great. one out. <laughs> We'll yeah. Rachel Andelman, if you're listening to this, um, I'm sorry I haven't reached out to you yet. It's because we're scared to watch the movie. <laughs> anyway, so there is Converged on the House. They're murderous. Uh, Nick Cage and, and Selma Blair have gone crazy, and they're trying to kill people. Uh, uh, and the boyfriend tries to save, and he gets face slammed against the ground real hard. Ooh. I like a WWE wrestler. Like he does he does like a what is that yeah he's like uh slow-mo like, and then hits him down like who hits like like that? he was summoning the thunder and then boom yeah. like calling it down it was pretty crazy i'm trying we, to we will what, what you got a clip i think the, the clip we have is of uh when he trips on the car yes this is when he's chasing him and he trips on a car <laughs> Know so, the yeah. soundtrack, you can kind of hear it. <laughs> yeah. And the reason we pulled that clip is because uh, we want to see. It just reminded me of a commercial that one of our friends did, so we just wanted to. Very unrelated, but this is a commercial our friend did. <laughs> the all new Stunt Shot, the world's first super soft indoor RC. Stunt Shot is super safe. Bring the outdoor action inside. Unleash indoor action. Stunt Shot RC from Airhawk Super Soft. Batteries not included. Uh, this podcast brought to you by Stunshot RC. There is no way that dad would have been okay with that kid riding that thing over his laptop like that. Like, <laughs> that's why this movie, Mom and Dad, was made for moments like that. Like, he would have wanted to kill that kid. That's that's the prequel movie to this movie. That's <laughs> uh, that's our friend Danny Prakaski, a future podcast guest, uh, playing the dad. <laughs> And I want, yeah, I wonder if there's a sequel to that commercial where uh, he just fucking bludgeons that kid. So, so, all right, the, the, the parents go nuts. They try to attack the kids, uh, face slams them. Uh, they trap them. The, 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 the daughter in this, the daughter finds her brother and manages to get. Oh, also, we didn't talk about the maid is down there, kills. Oh, all right, this is, all right, this is what, yeah, I want to get to what Adam had talked about just before the show. You mentioned something. This is a great observation. Yeah, in this moment, like when, you know, my girlfriend, Julie, and I, when we were watching this, like we kind of put this together and we were like, whoa. So in this moment, the kid goes upstairs or well, he tells his sister when she finds him under the bed, like, hey, like I got to grab my backpack, right? So you're like, okay, got to grab his backpack. So he grabs it and brings it downstairs with him. Now, later in the movie, the dad, you know, when he's going crazy, goes upstairs to try to find the gun that he has now and that the wife doesn't know about under his bed, but it's missing. And then the wife gets shot from the kid who has the gun in the basement. But you're not really thinking about it because, you know, everything's going so fast. But if you kind of put it together, you're like, wait, that means the gun was already in the kid's bag, like in his backpack. And you're like, why is that? And, and, and the thing you don't also don't think about the girl goes to school that day, but the kid stays at home. Like, he's not sick. Like, why was he staying at home? It, was it a weird day off for him? So, like, we were just kind of extrapolating on that. And, like, like did he get in trouble? Was he suspended for something he did? Was he going to bring this, school, this bag with the gun to the school the next day? Had he already brought it? Yeah. And like, what? Oh boy. We we do see the kid playing with the gun, right? Like we, we see like a little flashback yeah. to him playing with the gun. 
Yeah, like, yeah, why did the kid have a gun in his backpack? This is, for, for those who haven't seen the movie, this is like a 10-year-old. This is not like a teenage boy. I would say it's, he might be younger than 10. I'd say, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, that, that part was like, whoa. I guess it was a joke, but it was also like, yeah, now that you, when Adam said that, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Ay, ay, ay. The, the, the part with the gun, I thought, was uh like... So they have a gun, you know, I feel Kids. like the tables have turned at that point. You can end that situation real quick. I think they don't want to kill their parents. You know, I think I, there's, there's I mean, no point in that where they're like, let's just fucking do it. But like, I think no rules on kneecaps. Yeah, but how are you going to, I don't know, have a 10 year old <laughs> kid shoot someone in the kneecap. I guess this accurate. is where the movie decides to start getting realistic. It's when. <laughs> Then the kids make a lot of questionable choices. I mean, like, I get run into the basement, but, like, also, like, did none of the kids really, like, throughout this movie ever question why this is happening, right? They all just kind of, like, run into their parents and get killed. They're never like, why are you doing this? Like, they never talk to each other and say, like, what is going on until really the end? And, and also, like, kids that age, like, all of them have, like, a cell phone attached to them, right? So once they got in the basement, like, you're telling me that girl didn't have a cell phone to call anybody or like right. do anything. What's weird is a lot of times kids outnumber parents too. You know, people, like not everyone just has two kids. So they, they're at a disadvantage in a lot of families. Why didn't they show yeah, some of that? Kids the, are, like the Duggars. Know. I want to see the Duggars house when this happens. <laughs> and they're just like, what are you joking? And they just fucking bang uh. out. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Uh, that's like the line that the uh the, the the boyfriend says you know his 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 dad like you know attacking him accidentally kills himself and like a questionable scene because you're like has this guy done this before and then it's 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 weird but yeah. he says like in a moment of levity when they're holding the mom in the closet he's like oh good thing my parents got divorced so i had like better odds <laughs> yeah and then they laugh hysterically about it then they're like ah because <laughs> <laughs> they have the mom trapped in the closet Oh my god! So all right, all right, we all right. We, so, yeah, so they get so trapped up- in the basement. The kid has the gun, shoots through the door, hits uh, you know, Nick Cage, uh, and they're like, "Whoa, oh well, well." First off, they're the reason they shoot the gun is because he's trying to get in with the sawzall. And we have let's talk about the, the sawzall. We have a clip of the sawzall because this is this great, great moment. This is sawzall. actually later though, I think. Sawzall. Music. Saws. Oh. Saws. Oh. I, yeah, this is a little out of order because the reason he's covered in Fruit Loops is because they have uh, exploded the basement door. So let, let's go, let's loop back to this. So, yeah, they try to get with the saws all. They blasted the door. They're like, oh, back whoa, to the drawing board. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We missed a big part, though, Chris. What's that? We missed the we missed the best clip in this movie is when they're trying to bust through the door. Yep. And Nicholas Cage is trying to bust through the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, you're That's right. That's such a good line. Oh, you have God. Right. Yep. You, you need to leave the house, you and Dad. Your motherfucking mother should open the door. Motherfuckers! You're going to open this motherfucking door! There's still more. He cries like a baby. <laughs> Carly! Not so helpful. Reggie! 
Kajikali! Uh, motherfuckers! Oh, and this, this reminds me a lot. I don't know if you've seen, uh, Adam, if you've seen Vampire's Kiss. I haven't. There's a, 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 I mean, there's a lot of famous scenes from that movie, but one of them is uh, where he is, you know, freaking out and he sort of falls to the ground, similarly leaning up against a wall, and he starts going, um, like, boohoo! <laughs> boohoo! Like, literally crying and saying the boohoo, um, where he had given himself a challenge that he would say, he wanted to cry while saying boohoo without it sounding ridiculous. Um, also, so I- <laughs> in Kick-Ass, uh, he gets lit on, lit on fire. And when he's talking, he's like, it's hard to understand what he's saying, but he goes up at the, like, at the end of what he's talking in a very similar way. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, I love motherfuckers. <laughs> it's, I don't know. That's like, it must be a move. I think we need to add Cage to the list of like the best cussers in Hollywood. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, because like you have you know Samuel Jackson, John Malkovich, Al Pacino, right? I think we need to add Cage to this. Like, I mean, I, that's I think that's why they, that's why they picked him to host the history of swear words. Right. I was just gonna segue. What a fun show! Have you guys watched it yet? I just think we've only one. seen the first episode, but enjoyed it for sure. Yeah, he's he's a great host in that. And one of the episodes they actually talk about the like the famous you know cussers in in films and fun fact i didn't know this apparently jonah hill is the actor who swears the most in films yeah, yeah. that's crazy to me i would have never thought that but the wolf of wall street things just sort of put him way over the edge that is super bad yeah i guess <laughs> so so when they're so they're busting into the uh basement i did want to say one thing so one thing that when they realize they can't get into the basement um they decide they're going to run the gas hose into the basement um, and there's just this scene and I was like a little disturbed by how much I related to this of like the parents, like, like, just like wordlessly, just like team working, like, all right, so I'll go do this. I'll go open the thing. All right, you got it, honey. Okay. Do that. And I was like, this is kind of like what Chris and I are like, like, just like very, they're very on the same page. And it's just like, it's like a cute little relationship moment played out in a horrible thing that they're actually doing. Yeah, it's oh. pretty messed up. Um, and like, like she, she like as she's going out to do it, she like waves at the neighbors and says hi, and then opens the like trash can, sees the dead kid, and is like, oh, okay, and just keeps going on. <laughs> that moment, there was a few big pro- problems I have with that whole thing. One, uh, they take the hose and they go from the stove, which is in the kitchen, to the window outside of the basement. When they could have just easily, you know, put this under the basement door, which is right next to the fucking kitchen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, And then, uh, you know, also, I don't think you can do that with with natural gas. I think gas is like lighter than air. I don't know. I might be wrong about that, but I don't think it's going to fill up the basement first and then just like settle. I think it's going to go up like you're going to smell it in the kitchen. You're going to die in the kitchen, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a pretty big space to fill. And, and like, the kids are kind of, they act like, okay, they're getting sick and coughing, but, like, they're not looking around to find out why, what, like, what's going on. But then, clearly, she understands what's going on because right. she grabs the matches. Also, why didn't they try to just go out the window that she put the hose through? Well, right. they buried it. She had buried the window in dirt. Oh, okay. But that shouldn't have been too big. I don't mean, I guess there's no way for them to know how much dirt was there, but there wasn't that much dirt there. Yeah, it wasn't like she put a backhoe in front of that thing um <laughs> Couple yeah, so they there. they blow they blow up the door sending nick cage flying and covered in fruit loops he's down for a while oh, and they escape through the duct work of the house i guess this house is 
extensive ductwork where you can go from the basement to the attic inside the ducts of the house. It's like Home Alone now, right? Yeah. yeah. A home Alone trap, and she's like Home Alone crawling through the house. And yeah. He, yeah, she she puts like a match booby trap on the door, and then he gets blown up. That was funny. And then we have um, I don't remember the con. Oh yeah, so this is after this is when they trap the mom in the closet. Not not yeah. before that. Because um, they make the it upstairs from the basement through the ducts. Yeah, the boyfriend finally comes to after being knocked out for a while. Uh, there's a really na- nasty scene where he gets like a wire through his cheek. Coat hanger. Did not yeah, care for that. Coat Did hanger. not like that. And then flung just off the side of that second floor thing. That I had no idea how they did that. That stunt looked really real. <laughs> I agree. I don't know how they fucking did that. They killed a stunt man. <laughs> there's good stunt work in this movie for sure uh, oh yeah that explosion i mean we didn't talk about that like too much but like that explosion shot was really cool yeah <laughs> he's like i thought he was dead at that point but he was barely injured yeah. and he put fruit loops on his face that's all yes <laughs> i thought he was gonna be like totally burned on one side of his face he's just a little singed and then uh so we have uh you know a lot of fighting and stuff but uh the big twist ending of the movie i would say which i don't know about you guys but was pretty clearly coming from a mile away is that the grandparents are coming over tonight and the grandparents are there to murder nick cage so we end up with we end up with two elderly people desperately trying to murder nick cage in the last scene of the movie yeah credit to the writers that's a brilliant comedic tension break in that moment like yeah and you definitely you're right you see it coming earlier on but like you kind of forget about it and when it comes back like it's a great payoff yeah it is good yeah i would have loved if his if his dad was someone like hulk hogan or like you know like someone yeah. who stood a real chance to kick his ass like that would well, be that's great what I, said. I feel like they really missed an opportunity to have some more like prominent cameo actors in these yeah. roles like i think they could have done something more fun with it yeah like i would have like that would have been like oh shit here he comes to drop the hammer or you know like but they had uh yeah the, another thing uh oh, what was i gonna say uh yeah like this is the example of like those things we were talking about earlier like if they had really like like gone into those different comedic things they could have done like those different ideas but this was the one they did was his parents are gonna come you know like yeah um so we, we get we get a lot of grandpa fights we get a lot of grandma fights selma blair gets in on it because apparently i don't know the the grandma wants to kill sam selma blair even though they're not related because i think she just like doesn't like her in the first place yeah it feels like it's just a personal thing like she she calls her a whore and she says kendall isn't even a real name (laughs) it's uh it's it's uh yeah a lot of a lot of uh very much a theme of um no one can date my child thing right no one's good enough for my kid yeah that seems to be passed on through nick cage's family who hurt you brian taylor who hurt you (laughs) children are Um, bad Parents are bad. Everything's bad. That's the message of this movie. Don't procreate, but don't exist either. It's just all bad. I love that even with the desire to kill their kids, the grandparents like still showed up at the time that they had scheduled yeah. their dinner. Yeah, they didn't come earlier. That's true. Yeah. Also, like, what about uh, like Selma Blair's parents? Where I don't know. They live in Arizona. Yeah. They're... Yeah. Or what if they have two kids? Like, what if Nicholas Cage has a sister? You know, how are they going to decide? Oof. Maybe they were there earlier, yeah. <laughs> She's already dead. <laughs> Yikes. 
Um, then we have confrontation in the garage and kind of on the driveway, which has some crazy. I I I, I wish we had got a clip of this, but there's like grandma flying above the car in slow motion. Oh yeah. Like, a lot of people get stabbed. It's real. It's it's real chaos. The grandfather's head just gets smooshed. Just like your brains come out. Oh, I don't even remember that. Oh, yeah. We had that on the car. Yeah, he gets hit by the car and just smoosh or like the sidewalk or whatever he hits. Yeah. And I love the sound that Nicolas Cage made when uh, the grandpa's stabbing him inside of the car on his legs. It's like this, like, like animalistic, like yelp that he's just making. Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's a good sound. It's like, oh, like it's like a weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What the? Oh, I got to get that. I'm going to get that. You guys talk amongst you. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. So then. Then uh, somehow uh, kids get the upper hand and tie their parents to the basement, and that's pretty much where the movie ends. Well, we forgot about one part there, yes. though. The boyfriend is back. Like, oh, yeah. Dude fell off the stairs, like yeah. presumably broke every bone in, bone in his body, but somehow he comes back and he's totally fine and like kills mom. Oh, is that okay? So he, but he doesn't kill. He well, kills. doesn't kill her. He like knocks her out. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because the only the grandparents both die, but the Nick Cage and Selma Blair do make it to the end. The kids make it to the end. Yeah. And we have them tied together in the basement. And I think they were going for kind of an ambiguous ending, but it seemed pretty clear that they just wanted to murder the kids still. Yeah. I mean, you know, they say, like, let us out. It's okay. Like, you know, we're not going to, like, hurt you. And, and you're questioning, like, yeah. is this really over? Did the signal, like, stop? I, I don't know. But I love the line the kids say, like, we want to trust you, but you don't make it easy. Like that's such something that like a parent would say to their kids. Oh, yes. they, like that. So fun. They say it earlier in the film to the kids. Oh, I guess I didn't realize that. They're like, that was like a full on. They tried to do something there. I think yeah. uh, the, uh, the, I couldn't find it, but I did find a quick article from the Toronto film festival saying that Nick Cage says mom and dad is the favorite film he's made in the last 10 years. Yep. I can believe it. Yeah. Which is probably, I mean, I, I'm guessing that's starting around 2017. Yeah. It's like, there's not a lot from 2007 to 2017. That's a, I mean, okay, Bad Lieutenant. That's a big one. Uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. <laughs> Ghost, Ghost Rider sequel. Yeah, it's not as much. It's Ooh. not a great. Uh, I'm glad I got this one. I feel bad that you guys have to watch all of those. <laughs> Some of them are, I mean, it, the, the bad ones are fun too. I, I yeah. mean, I, I didn't enjoy watching USS Indianapolis Men of Courage, but I did enjoy talking about it. So, yeah, that wasn't, yeah. that wasn't the fun kind of bad. That was just a sad, sad film. It was just like, uh. Uh, So, yeah, so the movie ends mid sentence and then it's over. Sometimes I just want to, is what Nick Cage said. And he was going to say dance. Yeah. And then they all danced. I want to make you a bowl of pasta. Hey. <laughs> They, they, I mean, so yeah, so it's basically just like the, the, to wrap this movie up, it feels like they just said, okay, you know that feeling you have when you just want to kill your kids? Like, what if you did? And yeah. so did everyone else. Right? That last line really sums up just parenting. Like, it's like a deep love, but at the same time, you always want to just kill your kids. Yeah. It's just like... Now, I, would you say that this movie uh, made, for question for both of you guys, made you want to have children more or less? It's interesting. Less. I wouldn't say it's a very pro. Yeah, I wouldn't say more. <laughs> well, more, I, I don't. They're the best, yeah, they're not the best parents, and like 
the kids, you know, are kind of shitty. Like the one kid wants to shoot people up and the other one is stealing money from the, they're like, they didn't really raise the best kids. So it's yeah. kind of their fault. Right. Like, yeah. They, they seem to have some like real issues, like just with their, 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 their youth being gone and, you know, finding themselves like yeah in this middle-aged parenthood thing. So, so yeah, so that's the movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the film. Let's let's take over to Bingo because uh, I think we're gonna oh, get yeah. a couple. Uh, I don't know I if we're, we're gonna, gonna get, get Bingo hits. today, but we we are gonna get a couple of hits for sure. So, um, uh, if you do, Adam, if you have trouble seeing this, if you do pin on Zoom, that might make it easier. But so we have a couple. We've we've been uh, doing a few things with Bingo. We only have USS Indianapolis on this because we reset our Bingo recently. Uh, so Chris, was that he dies? Was already that was already covered, right? Yeah, yeah, that was from. Uh uh yes that was from the last film we just did yeah so i see uh you guys just shout him out as you see him i see Is inappropriate uh, outburst uh outburst for sure yeah yeah he had an inappropriate outburst once once or twice in this film i'd say uh he sings i he mean sing. yeah he sings the hokey pokey i wasn't expecting for us to get it on that but is that though I- like a real like he sings Cause like like there's he sings like uh uh the movie with Laura Dern like he sings an, Hart, El- yeah. an, an Elvis song. I mean, we didn't make it specific. He sings right. a song. He, he did punch someone in the face. He absolutely punched someone in the face. Oh yeah. wow, this is actually hitting a lot of the boxes. We might get bingo. I don't know. Did he? S- I don't remember him smoking in this movie don't think so this is another one where he doesn't smoke whoa i mean technically he's kind of a villain right like oh yes that's it that's the one yeah and, and i heard you guys talking about that a lot that that doesn't happen a lot where he's the villain character but this is one of those films this is one of the yeah, very, very few true. where he is the villain which i i was surprised by too does he laugh cry i feel like this is a laugh cry movie but i, I don't remember it specifically yeah, I don't know. cries against that door but i don't know if it's like the laugh version yeah yeah uh, definitely not fancy undercover cage. Definitely no underwater scuba propeller duel. <laughs> no tattoo sighting. No divorce. Uh, he didn't smoke, but that already came up. Non-native English-speaking love interest only if you bang the maid. He does. Does the the car scene with the with the boobs does that count as the sex scene? No. Yeah. Oh uh, shit. I'm gonna say no. All I right. feel like that's a more strict definition of sex that we have on this he does, does he... manual labor building the pool table? oh my god he does oh, do manual yeah. labor holy shit oh man this is a that big wasn't one. i don't think that was our intention for that but i i think it's i think it's valid man we're Let's... like if we watched uh vampires kiss after this we would have got a four corners yeah seeing man. a therapist in cockroaches that's crazy man, all right gonna... It might be a stretch, but history of addiction, like addiction, is he addicted to porn and sex and that kind of, because he's on his computer at work. Some might question that that is an addiction. Oh yeah. He fell asleep in front of porn. We didn't talk about that. He fell asleep in front of porn on his computer. He absolutely did. I'm going to, I'm going to say no for that one. I think that's a more strict definition of addiction and less more needs to be more explicit. Oh my God. Um, But I think we did pretty good guys. I think we did really, really good. We're getting there. Wow. There wasn't a car chase, right? I mean, no, there was no car chase, but there was like car There was fighting. car action. Yeah, Crashing out of the garage. Car action. Yeah. Um, all right. 
good job guys good bingo we'll put the bingo up on the instagram for people to see later on um so we're gonna skip the trivia section because there's not a lot of trivia on this and i think we've said everything i had (laughs) (laughs) and let's just go straight to uh ranking all right here we go let's rank this cage oh i gotta hide that bar all right no more formula bar. bar. boom so uh it sounds like adam you've listened to a couple of these episodes so you have a basic gist of how this works uh out of 10 and our first category is the cast so uh how excited how how well cast was this movie how excited were you by the people in this movie well, I love the Selma Blair casting. Thought that was great. I think Nicolas Cage fits the role pretty well. I like, you know, seeing him as like a midlife crisis dad. So those two are great. But I think I have to deduct points for the grandparents. I feel like they really missed an opportunity there. It yeah. could have been something more. So like a seven. Seven. All right. Uh, I am going to go low because, I mean, I really didn't, I, I wasn't, when I when I saw like you know who's in this movie, I wasn't like, oh okay, this is gonna be like a really cool film. I like I, there was, there was who was the guy who played the teacher? He was someone. Yeah, he's been in stuff. Yeah, what the hell? Uh, anyway, uh, oh no, you know who that guy is? He is in. This is funny. He is in Happy. He plays Santa Claus. He plays a murderous Santa Claus in the show Happy. And now mm-hmm. I didn't know that the, the director was the same at the time. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four. I'm like, meh. Uh, I'm going to give it a five. I I, I feel like I don't want to punish movies as much for like not having as many big stars in them. Because I do think this was pretty well cast aside from, I agree about the grandparents and like, I think, but at the same time, it wasn't that great. By the way, I just want to note that uh, Chris and I are always, always pitching our ideas for spinoff podcasts. And we had some good ones for Selma Blair uh we could have a podcast called the blair necessities or selma like it hot (laughs) that would be our selma blair review okay i got one to pitch you what about it's blair witch project but it's like blair but witch and then you question mark oh yes (laughs) wow wow Blair, comma, which project? Question mark. Yeah, exactly. Do you guys remember <laughs> Cruel Intentions? I feel like that's the first thing I ever saw her in. Yeah. yeah. That was a great movie. Sarah Scream Michelle Gellar. She was in Scream 2? Yeah. When do you guys think Cruel Intentions was made? I'm looking this up right now. 1999. I don't know. 97. 99. Chris, spot on. Boom. Nice. That's amazing. All right. Uh, so next up, we have acting, uh, non-cage acting specifically. So the other actors in this. Not great. Like, <laughs> I feel like, you know, Selma Blair is good, but like the boyfriend for all of his heroics, not a great actor. I, I really felt like he kind of fell flat and the grandparents were meh. And, the, and that teacher was <laughs> his line about like, uh, you kids going to church or something. Like, it just was poor delivery. I, I got to say like a four that's fair yeah i'm right there with you there was uh that moment when he destroys the coffee the 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 pool table i feel like selma blair's big like like monologue was there and it was like (laughs) oh i I don't know it was was okay but yeah Yeah. overall i'm gonna do it another five i didn't i didn't find the acting distracting um but there wasn't much that stood out to me although i did think selma blair in general is really good yeah she did all right 
how fun was this movie? And this is a, a tricky one, I think. I, I like my initial reaction is like 11, like crazy fun, right? But then <laughs> you remember like the weird, like kind of like weird stereotype writing and also like the baby scene. And in some of it, you feel like maybe it went a little too far. So I have to like deduct a couple for that. So I feel like maybe an eight. I'm going to go with six because I just, I was, you know, I'll give it a seven because I was, uh, it is fun. It's a fun idea. It's a crazy movie, but uh, it's also, yeah, like there's a lot of dark, dark shit. Yeah. I was also going to say seven. I think it, it loses some points from, you know, what it, what it could be. Um, but I do love the premise and I do think that it's certainly more fun than a lot of other movies we've seen recently, like eight millimeter <laughs> USS Indianapolis like oh. we've had a pretty dark run so it's nice to have something that's a little bit different vibe all right technical uh sound stunts costuming uh yeah I mean it's, it's not anything special like we're not in a period piece it's just normal like mom and dad you know modern times I feel like they you know I think the cool technical things we saw like the explosion some of the stunts were really cool the shot uh, where they're talking to the kids through the doorway of the basement, like that was a really cool shot. So I think the directors, you know, they, they did their thing. And uh, I, I think it technically was, is pretty good. Like nothing like caught me off guard and stood out to me. So I'd say like a seven. Yeah. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it eight just cause uh, like you said, like there, there was that stunt where they threw the guy off the, the second floor landing of that house. That was pretty good. Uh, and for what they had, Everything, nothing looked cheesy, so. Yeah, I'm going to give it a, yeah, I think I'll give it an eight, too. I would say the two missing points are for the soundtrack. I did not love the, like, yeah. super overbearing soundtrack choices they made. Um, but other than that, I thought everything else was, like, pretty seamless. And, like, especially given the low budget of this movie, you know, I think that's, like, they did they did a good job with that. Yeah, that is, that is true. That is true. Yeah. All right. Overall, out of 10. Ooh, well, I think if you kind of average mine that like I think probably like it's definitely not a movie that I feel like I need to see again like I, I it's, <laughs> it's one of those movies where I feel like I like tell people like you should probably watch that once because it's like batshit crazy but it's not one that like I'm gonna go back and visit a lot so I think overall six I was also gonna say a six and I agree with your sentiment I don't want to see this again yeah I'm gonna go with five. five i i didn't didn't dislike it though i just uh just trying to think of like recent ones we've saw and you know put it in perspective with those all right bonus points add or take away a bonus point for something you liked or disliked in this movie we can just popcorn whoever thinks of one first mm. definitely the baby scene i feel like that went maybe a little too far i got that's a negative one, one for you on that, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh i'm gonna take away a point because she put the kid in the recycling bin Ah, everyone knows that's i don't even know where you would yeah let's not go there uh, i'm gonna put the take away a negative point for the sort of like wait uh, you're gonna take away a negative it, point double negative mess, no 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 no. i'm taking away a point for the weird ethnic stereotyping choices that they made with the maid it's uh, a little took me out of it but is he uh, american the director I wonder if that that might be it, like, cause, like, I think sometimes I that could be, uh, you know, maybe he's Australian. Yeah, he is Californian. Oh, never mind. <laughs> All right. 
There you go. Grew up in in California. All right, let's see. So I'm let's just just predicting. I'm thinking, you know, we're at seven. This is our seventeenth movie. We've had some real stinkers. I don't think this is going to be the bottom. This is up there. Um, but uh, I don't think it's going to be near the top. I feel this feels like a solid middle movie to me. For, for you guys, let's see where, where we end up. At? Oh no! What happened? Oh no! It's number ten. It's number ten. All right. I guess the display got messed up, but um, that we can figure. I'll figure that out later. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll just let you do it. It's number ten. Uh, it's, it's number ten. It's Excel. Ten, oh, and after seventeen. Mandy. Oh, okay. I I definitely agree with. So I haven't listened to some of these episodes yet, but yeah, yeah Rock and Mandy, I think, are definitely high up there. The Rock. The Rock. I would say this is the, the, that's an interesting one because that one, uh, our guests really drove that one high, as we've mentioned a couple of times. I think that if Chris and I were on our own, I don't think that The Rock would have beaten Face Off, personally. But uh, Mandy, you know. though, was unanimous our number one. Like we all loved. Oh it. my God! Yeah, Mandy, yeah. we loved. And I didn't so expect. I to. Think... Go ahead. Oh no, no, I was gonna say I didn't expect to. But I love it. Yeah, I, I think one of my most yeah, favorite films of his that I think is really underrated and I'm excited for you guys to talk about is Lord of War. Oh, interesting. Okay. That was yeah, that was uh we have we do have that one coming up. It's a it's an April movie. Yeah. yeah. It's like a legit good movie, I think. I think I've seen it too, Meg. I just haven't okay. seen it in a long, long time, but I remember it being good. It's like a good watch. Yeah. So do you was- do you have any uh thoughts on our ranking, Adam, based on what you're seeing here? Ignoring the NA. <laughs> I, I haven't seen a lot of these. I mean, I gone in 60 seconds, you know, I listened to that episode and I thought you guys, you know, did, you know, had great thoughts on that. And, but it's a classic, like, that's one of the ones that is nostalgic. I think back to like, you know, that's when I first met Nick Cage and, and I think, you know, the rock I, I enjoyed, uh, I'm excited for you guys to do Con Air. That's like one of my favorites. I feel like that'll end up towards the top. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Although. So, okay. I was gonna say, although I will tell you, Conair does not hold up in certain respect. Like the Rock <laughs> and Face Off uh, are much less problematic movies than Conair is for sure. Conair's uh... it'll be interesting to see uh, see that again. Um, All right, it's time for the Cage uh, Gauge. Cage Gauge. We're gonna do uh, this. Is just a two-axis plot that plots Cage's acting ability versus Cage's craziness in this film and this film alone. So again, mm. it's out of ten. So out of 10, what would you give Gage's craziness in this movie? Gage's? Gage's, <laughs> Ga- Cage's craziness. Also, <laughs> keep in mind that like when you say Cage crazy, right now the craziest film we have ever seen, I think, is probably Vampire's Kiss, Meg. I think so, yeah. So if you use that as your top-level Cage crazy and, and like that, that quintessential, you know what I'm talking about when I say Cage crazy, like that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, he has tons of moments in this film, right? Like, yeah. I feel like he's really unleashed in here. And he's just like, you know, destroying the pool table. Some of the animal sounds he makes, like the way he's acting, like when he just goes like WWE wrestler on that kid. Like, I feel like he he's having so much fun and like he's full crazy in this. I mean, I don't know. Like, I've never seen Vampire C- Kiss, but I feel like this has got to be like a nine or a 10. Like, it's pretty high. Uh, nine or 10? Nine. 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 You're on nine? Uh, I agree with you. I think that uh, it is very, very high in the crazy meter. Uh, I think I would also give this a nine because it's not as crazy as Vampire's Kiss, but it's up there. He does a lot of crazy shit. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say nine too. I do think there. Like, uh, I think um, Vampire's Kiss has just so many different. Like, uh, he he really hits it in from a bunch of different angles. This he has like a couple angles, and he really does hit it very hard on those angles. 
Um, but you know, there's, you have to have a scale. You have to have the very top. All right. Acting ability. Uh, this is Cage's acting in this movie. Huh. <laughs> like, is it good? It's a hard one. Cause I feel like he definitely has some moments like the crying at the door and, and some of the stuff where you're kind of like, I, you know, I roll a little bit, but then like, you know, I feel like his monologue in the basement, like when he really like lets out the whole, like his character and, and what, what he's going through. I feel like that was, that wasn't that bad. Like, seven seven you know something we didn't get into meg was yes he did kind of do a little fake business person cage at some points when he was in the office and he's like oh i really don't tell her i'm here remember like he was talking to the secretary anyway, yeah that just popped in my head i'm trying to but think wait, of, like, was, but, uh, was that like i mean yeah our our uh Undercover fancy cage definition is so narrow. Yeah, I, we really I probably painted ourselves out. in a corner with that. <laughs> well, I I uh, I was trying to think of moments where he's just acting and not just like being right. crazy, and there's very few, and like that's one of them. Uh, I'm gonna give it like a six, or I'm gonna give it a six. Yeah, just because like yeah, it was crazy fun, but like I wasn't like feeling something watching his performance. I'm gonna give it a five. I'm gonna say it was you know not distracting but you know not it's it's so over the top you know it, it was what it was for the movie I don't, I don't think there's anything to be faulted for it so i'm gonna get right down the middle all right let's see where that puts us ah it puts us in the most fun quadrant the good acting crazy quadrant which is uh home to m many of the best cage movies uh you've got uh oh god uh what mandy we, uh, valley girl mandy face off uh, uh leaving las vegas um you got right on the edge the rock is close to that one uh this one with a cigarette in his mouth i always forget which one that is where he's pouring. raising arizona uh no. this one i think is oh no that's not yeah well yes it puts it into the fun quadrant that's all <laughs> we need to know i gotta come up with a better version of this that has the titles on it too so we can see but uh yeah as opposed I think to you're right huh well i meg i think you're right i think if it had been a different film, I might have felt differently. But because of the like what this film was about and in the, the setup and everything, mm -hmm. like you kind of like accept his acting a, a little more. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I yeah. Brendan, uh... Brendan just informed me that that's wild at heart. Mm. <laughs> that that's wild at heart is the one with the cigarette. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. Thank you to our audience. All right. So we've done it, guys. We've talked about the movie. We had some fun. We had some laughs. Um, Adam, what, what, uh, what is, what's going on with you that you want to promote? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, right now I'm working on the final season of NBC Superstore. So if you guys get a chance to check that out, um, super fun show. And I'm excited to, to see how the story ends on this one. Um, also currently developing a few feature scripts and, and getting ready for 48 Hour again. Um, and you know, I'll have stuff on my website in the future. If you ever want to check that out, it's a www.adam-bradshaw.com. And, um, and one of the things I've told you guys about, you know, we can't really do it right now, but I'm excited once we can get back into bars is, uh, I also run a competitive karaoke league. And, and yeah. you're, and you're doing that, uh, and sort of like online, right? Like there's a, like a, 
yeah, we're not doing the competition aspect of it, but we're just doing like open virtual karaoke gotcha. okay. like every Thursday night uh, at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you get a chance and you want to come sing with us and have a lot of fun, um, check us out. We're unitedkaraoke.com. And uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. I'm very, yeah, I'm very excited for being able to do karaoke in bars again. And I, I uh, definitely regret not joining your karaoke league when <laughs> you were allowed to go to bars. Um, well, I'm definitely checking out the virtual one. That sounds really fun. Yeah. We yeah. did a virtual karaoke with our friends last night and it was really fun uh, separately. I feel like we're, we're kind of, we're getting there. We're getting so close to being like kind of the same thing. Um, all right. So we got another episode next week. Um, we're going to be watching Teen Titans Go to the movies. <laughs> our guest is Nate Lopez and we are going to do something a little bit different for that one because it is uh, like a relatively short amount of nick cage in that movie uh we're going to be covering some of his cameos as well so we have uh his cameo in uh grindhouse and also never on tuesday so it's going to be a little bit of a, a different episode where we cover like a couple things at once so that'll that'll be a, a fun thing to see i think we'll, we'll we'll have a different scale or whatever yeah they probably won't get rated the same on the same yeah. <laughs> as leaving las vegas the cameo from yeah but uh, in the meantime, if you if you're if you're listening to this and you're curious, uh, you should Google uh, Nick Cage never on Tuesday cameo because it's really funny. <laughs> uh, we'll play it in the episode next week. So I think that's it. Um, we uh, anything else, Chris? I forgot. That's it. Oh, virtual improv Friday seven uh, seven p.m. Friday. Pacific. That's it. Uh, Thank see you very you guys much, all everybody. Next week. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Unlocking the Cage is produced by The Manager Special. Music by Will Janetta. Check out our other shows, as well as sketches, animation, and short films at managerscomedy.com.